0: On this episode of The Popcorn Diet, we take a look at what we've been watching while we continue maintaining social distancing and helping flatten that coronavirus curve. Get your popcorn ready. Welcome, all you movie buddies, to The Popcorn Diet, a podcast for those who live on a steady diet of home continuously homemade movie theater popcorn and other snacks around the house as always my name is rick williamson your very best good movie buddy and joining us as usual is our other good movie buddy the canadian machine mr david melhorn david how you doing doing great we're opening we're reopening
1: yeah everybody's reopening
0: (laughs) Uh, We won't get... This is not going to be a coronavirus-focused episode. Suffice it to say, I personally think everything's going a little bit too early. David, you and I have talked about that we are perfectly fine waiting back in our houses, doing our thing, and letting other more eager people go out and test the waters. And if it turns out that everything's okay, we will join them.
1: (laughs) Absolutely. Well, and I... Listen... I enjoy eating out as much as the next person. And, Hell yeah. But I've, I've continued to order out just eating it at my house or in my car or yeah. something like that. And so it hasn't felt like it's uh, affected me that much. I don't own a small business, so definitely feel for all of those people. But um, I've continued to shop in the grocery store and mm-hmm. order food from my favorite restaurants from, from, and exactly. and uh, find ways to still get some exercise in and all that good stuff and kind of hold but, it over my head you know other than that <laughs> you know it's, it's it's all about being smart so everybody has their own uh, everybody can do what they they think is best for uh, yeah. for them but you know i'm in i'm in no hurry to be the first person out of the house
0: i mean you and i are back in the studio this time you know we've done our you know, proper social distancing, we've washed everything down, so on and so forth, you know, and, and, and like you said, you know, you and I um, have been in a very fortunate position in that our, our employer uh, has given us the ability to work from home with almost zero effect of, of work. Like, aside from the fact that I'm not coming into the office, life hasn't changed all that much for me. Aside from the fact that you probably are already
1: a hermit who doesn't go outside,
0: exactly, I are, I barely go <laughs> outside anyways. Like, you mean to tell me that I can? I'm allowed now. To you're go,
1: now you're normal.
0: I'm allowed to go through drive-throughs, but for the most part, I can't go to movie theaters, which is rough. But you want me to stay inside and stay on my couch? Okay, like I'm happy to help. You know, comparatively speaking, you know those who helped with. World War II efforts and Cold War efforts and Vietnam efforts and anything else, you know, if that's me doing my part, I will do my part for as long as I need. But, you know, this thing drags on. It it It's something that, you know, and again, I think it behooves us to mention it, even though it's not going to be an entire episode about this, but it's something that medical professionals keep telling us isn't going away anytime soon. It's something that politicians are acting like we've suddenly defeated out of normal. Texas just had one of the biggest upswings during their weekend of things starting to reopen, and yet they continue to push forward with reopening. So who knows? Ultimately, from the popcorn diet, for me and David, I hope that wherever you're listening, whatever you're doing, that – you are not only keeping yourself safe, but you're also taking into account the safety of others with your actions and what you do. Um, but this, I mean David, it's been a unique summer for us so far. We did our sports movie month and then we kind of took a couple of weeks off because there's honestly not much to talk about. and that's tough when you're an independent podcast talking about movies and we don't really focus on the uh, you know we don't really focus on the gossip. You and I. We don't really focus on the movie news all that much. And maybe we will pivot to that just so that we can get more episodes in. But we wanted to get back on. We wanted to get back in the saddle. And this is going to be one of those unique episodes where we kind of talk about a lot of different things. It's kind of one of those grab bag episodes. It's almost like a review uh, recap episode that we used to do back in the day. Um, But, again, there's not a lot of new movies. So we're improvising. Uh, Hopefully – you partook in the sports movie month? If not, we revisited Major League, Mighty Ducks 2, Draft Day, Space Jam, Happy Gilmore, classic sports movies, some of which, you know, have a little bit more relevance now. The Last Dance with Michael, you know, the whole Michael Jordan documentary wrapped up and, hey, we did the Space Jam, you know, episode. Um the The rewatchables, one of our favorite podcasts. Not that they need a shout out from us, is Podcast Empire over there, but they did Draft Day a mm-hmm. uh, couple weeks after we did, so I, we we were kind of happy to be ahead of the game on that one. But um, but yeah, man. I mean, mostly it's what we've been seeing, you know. It's what we what have we been watching?
1: Well, you've seen a you actually saw a new movie.
0: So, yeah, boy, did, did I.
1: Because we've had a couple releases, so we've talked about how while there's no theater re- theatrical releases, there has been new content coming out. A lot of TV shows, some documentaries. Obviously, the big documentary being The Last Dance. Mm-hmm. Which this is not going to turn into a Last Dance uh, podcast, even though the purely, even though the documentary has been was is fantastic. Uh-huh. Uh This isn't going to be a Tiger King podcast. That's a little older news. Yeah, but. Outside of that, there have been a few movies that have been released. Obviously, the first big one was Trolls. Trolls 2. Trolls which, World Tour. Which did fantastic, other than it apparently caused a rift between Universal and AMC. That's going
0: to be super interesting. And I do have a question about that and the reporting of that. Because Universal was like, Trolls World Tour did better business and blah, 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 blah. But if you think about it, like it's not really that like, oh, it made $100 million streaming. Cool. That's like saying – and they said all these things. They said, oh, Trolls World Tour is the most exposed, ex, uh, explosive and successful direct-to-release movies ever. Okay? And th- that may be true. But that's also like saying white bread is the best food ever when you back up a truck of white bread to a bunch of starving people and they all eat the white bread. Like – Context is key with Trolls 2. Suffice it to say, neither of us saw Trolls 2. Or did you? You have kids. I did
1: not see Trolls 2 yet. My kids saw it. They went over to Grandma's house and and Ah, watched Trolls 2. Um, But other than that, I think the only other movie I can think of, and you can correct me if I'm wrong on this, but the only other one is the one that you watched, which is Capone.
0: Oh, Capone. Yes. So Capone... We'll start with Capone, because I do have a couple of other ones that came out during this quarantine period. But my initial reaction to Capone is like, wow, that's really weird. Like This movie is really weird. (laughs) Um, So obviously Capone has... There's a lot of extracurricular stuff with Capone as well. So number one, Capone was written, directed, and edited by Josh Trank. For those of you who don't know who Josh Trank is... He directed an incredible independent found footage movie called Chronicle, which had Dane DeHaan in it and Michael B. Jordan about these three uh, high school kids who get superpowers. And it's really good. It's really creative, really inventive. If you haven't seen Chronicle, it's a little dark, admittedly, um, but it's an incredible movie. Uh, And the way that they use found footage might be the most innovative and inventive way that they did the found footage genre. So he did Chronicle. And it came out to a lot of success. A lot of people were really impressed by it. And so then, as is the kind of way to be nowadays he got snatched up by his studio to direct a franchise movie you know they're doing that with star wars they did it with jurassic park they're doing it with marvel like that's just kind of the mode of operations now is if somebody has a successful indie film or two snatch them up get them on a blockbuster um we're not going to talk about why i have a lot of theories as to why that's popular but because he did this this movie about superpowers and kind of people dealing with superpowers Fox signed him up to do the Fantastic Four remake, and that Fantastic Four remake, you can look up all of the behind-the-scenes chaos um, from the movie being taken out of his hands and re-edited, from him being forced to completely change his script, for him destroying the rental house – that they had for him in, like, New Orleans at the time. There's a lot of drama behind it. And when the movie came out, he shit all over it on Twitter. He's like, there was supposed to be an amazing movie. Sadly, you'll never see it. And it it bombed. It's one of the worst superhero movies made. It's just completely disjointed, amazing cast. Like, again, you got Miles Tellers in that movie, Jamie Bell, Michael B. Jordan, uh, Kate Mara. Toby Kebbell. Like, there's good, there's a lot of good things set up for that movie. And it just, it did terribly. It's one of the reasons Fox had to sell, because apparently they can't make a movie. And so he got kind of, after that, he kind of got put in director jail. He was rumored to be directing the new Boba Fett movie for Disney, but he wound up quitting. Ultimately, he says he quit before he could get fired, because of all the stuff that happened with Fantastic Four. And then he just kind of dropped off to the face of the earth. He kind of did his own stuff, until... He tweeted, I think, a picture of Tom Hardy in Capone makeup and said the movie was called Fonzo, which is what a lot of people call Al- Alphonse Capone in the movie. They call him Fonzo. Um, and so it, that was super interesting to me. Like you have this guy who made an interesting, an interesting movie and had a bad experience with the studio who has full and complete control over the next movie that he wants to make, which is kind of a labor of love. You have Tom Hardy doing weird Tom Hardy makeup shit. And so I was excited. I was excited to see what this was about. And compound that with the fact that we haven't gotten new movies very recently. It was like, crack. Like, sign me up. How much do I have to pay to rent it? $9.99? Fine. Fuck it. I'll rent it. Um, And... It's a movie about the last year of Al Capone alive, slowly dying of syphilis, um, hallucinating, garbling, crap in his pants, and it's not an easy watch. (laughs) <laughs> no, like it's not any easy- sounds
1: like a it's, popcorn night.
0: It's it, there are some interesting things in the movie. OK, there's a middle sequence, a middle kind of halluc- uh, a hallucination sequence in the middle of the movie. That's super interesting. Um, And there's some stuff that Tom Hardy does when he's a little bit less invalid, like because it, it progresses to the point of where Capone is basically just a drooling, you know, nothing. And there's some interesting stuff in there. There are interesting bits and pieces. And it's a competently made movie. Like, it looks good. But ultimately, you can see why they released this on VOD and why it was released by a nothing company. Because there's no way any studio would be able to sell this movie. This is a very specific vision, a very specific work of art. And I respect it for that. You know, I respect it. Because Josh Trank and Tom Hardy got together and, like, this is the story that we want to tell. Um, could I tell you, like, what the lessons of the movie are? Nope. Don't know. Don't be a criminal. Like, don't don't be a criminal. You lose your mind. Crime doesn't pay. I don't know. Um, is Tom Hardy good in it? Kind of. Like, he's acting.
1: Is it similar to the last hour of The Irishman?
0: Well, I like The Last Hour. No, cuz The Last Hour of the Irishman meant something, you know. The Last Hour of the Irishman was a, a, an amazing epilogue on not only um Frank Sheeran's life but on Scorsese's career, uh De Niro's career, the idea of criminals in general. Like if you remember Goodfellas, I always wanted to be a gangster and Irishman is an amazing bookend to that, right? Sure. This doesn't have any of that. Did you that. need
1: Did you need Two hours and two additional movies to get to that place with this movie?
0: With Irishman or with Capone? Capone. With Capone? I would have... There is a brief shot of Tom Hardy in gear as Capone in his prime. Sure. And I was like, I want to watch that shit. (laughs) I desperately would love to watch Tom Hardy doing Capone in his prime. Bashing people with baseball bats, barking orders at people. But that's not what Tom Hardy wants to do. Tom Hardy wants to do weird shit, you know, he does. So
1: his career is quite interesting. If, if we can go down a little bit of a tangent, Yeah, I I mean, this is
0: a better, best place to do (laughs) it, you know,
1: but so he's got a really interesting, and let me know your thoughts on this, like past from a career standpoint. So starts out like basically in 2001, I would say when he first kind of came on the scene, um, and he did, he was in Band of Brothers for a couple episodes, mm-hmm. and then I think he was in a supporting role in Black Hawk Down. Yeah, he was Twombly. Which, which was obviously a, a big movie. Um,
0: it's, sh- it's funny that he's a, he's a cast member in two war movies where a lot of people had problems differentiating the cast members at the time.
1: Yeah, yeah. And after that, I think it was a year or two, a year after that, he was the, basically the main villain in Star Trek Nemesis.
0: Yeah, which is, that's a pretty big. I mean, if you if you think about Nemesis, like the previous villains of the Star Trek movies were played by, F. Murray Abraham, who's an Academy Award winner. Sure. Um, the the Borg, Alice Krieg, like th- those people. Uh, and suddenly, well, Tom and and, Hardy. and at
1: that point, while it was on, I would say the tail end of like Star Trek's prime, especially like the sure. Next Generation crew that that followed, mm-hmm. it was still. You know, a big franchise. Yeah, to, and he's playing, to get the lead villain role.
0: And he's playing young Picard. Yep. Like, there's a lot of pathos there. But again, this, not again, but this is the start of, oh, we're gonna put pretty Tom Hardy underneath a bunch of weird makeup. It's
1: true. It's true. It's kind of our first. Well, Black Hawk Down and Band of Brothers. He's just covered She's in straight stuff, yeah,
0: grime and gear.
1: Yeah, uh, but then he does. The Reckoning. You have any thoughts on the reckoning? Any memories of Tom Hardy and The Reckoning? No thoughts on The Reckoning.
0: <laughs> but a Layer Cake, I remember. Layer Cake, he uh-huh. was
1: in, which to me is an underrated movie. Um, I enjoyed that movie. Mm-hmm. But then he goes basically into the TV world for a while, does some random and Tom Hardy, if I remember right, is he's from England. Yeah. So he does some some a lot of, I would say, like English. Not only TV shows, but a lot of English movies Mm -hmm. as well. Mm -hmm. But he basically disappears from, I would say, most people's radar. Um, I know he's in Bronson.
0: That was the kind of the big coming out party for like, oh, this guy's wild.
1: Yeah. And he was in Sucker Punch.
0: Was he in Sucker Punch? No.
1: Yeah, he was in Sucker Punch. I don't know if it's the Sucker Punch, but I saw on IMDb he was on Sucker Punch.
0: It might be some random sucker punch. You you might be right.
1: Regardless, really, I would say where his career like took off is when he got the role in Christopher Nolan's Inception.
0: Oh, yeah. I mean, you know, because you got rock and roll, Guy Ritchie, right? Sure. You said Bronson, which is kind of kind of put him in there. But you're right. The next one is Inception, and it's Eames. And he's just a – he's a, a – hurricane of charisma in that movie but this
1: is the role that he goes on after inception he does tinker taylor soldier spy Uh which was a big movie and was one that was supposed to you know do well from an oscar standpoint and things like that it it was okay had a lot of big names in it yep Uh, was a good role for him yep uh warrior obviously one of your favorites one of my
0: favorites an incredible performance and again like one of those that and bronson are like the precursor to Bane, and we'll get to him.
1: Uh, This means war, which, again, wasn't like it was a big successful movie, but this is him co-starring with Reese Witherspoon and Chris Pine. It's
0: really the last time he does something, quote-unquote, that is both, quote-unquote, normal and mainstream. Sure. Because he's done mainstream stuff, but he's done it abnormally. Right? And he hasn't really done anything normal (laughs) since then.
1: Well, then he did Lawless. Uh, Yep, weird. Where he was kind of a weird hillbilly hillbilly moonshine person.
0: Doesn't he get shot in the face in that movie? Like he does a weird, hey, he's got his accent and all that crap. Yep.
1: Uh, Then he did, obviously, Bane in The Dark Knight Rises, which I think is, I don't know. For you, you may think of him as warrior. But I think for most people, who they identify Tom Hardy as is Bane. You think
0: darkness is your ally. Which is incredible for a number of reasons, right? Number one, because this is my exact point of he's doing a mainstream movie. He is doing the third movie of a superhero trilogy. He is the villain. He's he's basically doing what Arnold Schwarzenegger did, right? Except he's making such... batshit crazy, and I pun fully intended, batshit crazy (laughs) choices. And top it all off, he's still like in the conversation, in the pop culture conversation. Bane is an iconic performance and character for all of those weird reasons. And it happened after Heath Ledger's Joker, which is maybe the most difficult part of it. Like to come in and to do what he did After Heath Ledger's Joker Mm -hmm. is maybe something that's never been done before. Sure. And so I get it. Like I get why a lot of people would associate him with this.
1: You always wonder and obviously this is a what if that we can never actually know because obviously I think it's pretty well known that the intention was for the Joker to be in the third. Right. Movie. Right. And so but I also think Bane was intended to be in the third movie. I don't think he was a fill-in bad guy. I think they were both intended to be in that movie. Right. If my memory serves me right. So it would have been interesting to see what how his role would have changed had he been opposite of such an iconic character. Um, I still think he would have been what we've come it's to know Tom Hardy which is <laughs> weird in his own spin on the character.
0: We could do a whole episode on that and on how they managed to get two of the most attractive actors and charismatic actors and put them behind layers of prosthetics and makeup and masks and stuff and have it come out as it did with two of the most iconic performances.
1: Well, and play roles that, to that point, for what I would say for Tom Hardy, are in a way that is almost indistinguishable. And part of that is that they're covered up. Right. But I think with both um Heath Ledger's role as Joker as well as Tom Hardy's, like if you had followed the rest of their careers in movies, like if not for like being able to kind of identify them from a view standpoint and and especially with Tom Hardy, like you could watch that movie and not know that's Tom Hardy. Oh sure. Easily. Easily. But after that he does some I don't know Locke. Locke know, is
0: really good actually. Is Locke is literally him in a car driving for ninety minutes, having that's various right. phone remember, conversations. It
1: reminded me of uh, the driver, even though I know it's a very different movie. Yeah,
0: it's very different, but it's very, it's almost like a play. It's like a one man show. You could do it as a one man show stage play, and it's just again, it's really, it's a good, it's an incredible performance. But
1: again, not something that's going to appeal to the masses sure. from that standpoint. Uh, I saw the drop funny enough in yeah, theaters that is really funny I actually, actually. saw that in theaters and so, I enjoyed it it's fine it's uh it's you know it's whatever child 44 do you know anything about that? Uh, I it, I, that
0: it's got way too good of a cast to be that bad of a movie
1: but then the next movie which probably needs no introduction would be Mad Max witness me and obviously that movie did fantastic and amazing. Uh, one, Top of, ten of, one the decade. of the better yeah one of the best movies of the last 10 maybe 20 years but he's
0: almost all uh, he's almost an afterthought in that movie also yeah, its he's wearing a mask for half of it yep again yep um, and it's really like the Charlie show yeah not that like again it's an incredible film
1: yep then we get London Road which I don't know a whole lot of but nope. then we get Legend which was the one where he decided to play Brothers. the Cray Brothers and I believe it's based on a, it's a true story true story yeah and it's good. It's,
0: it's good. Like it's uh, th- the crazy thing is, is you tell me Tom Hardy is going to play two brothers, one who's suave and one who's like a lunatic, you know, bruiser. And I don't care how good the movie is. I will watch that, you know, Um, and he does good in that. And then after that, he hits up uh, The Revenant, which I think he's incredible in. Yeah. Uh, again, coming back to Leo here, but uh, it's another example of him doing a weird accent. You can barely understand him. He's doing some crazy shit. He's in Dunkirk after Dunkirk,
1: that, and then does Venom. And I mean, Capone. that's from 2018, or from Inception in 2010 to 2018. I mean, that's a heck of a run. That's 10 I mean, it's years. it's probably divisive to some point sure. um, of people's view of all of those movies. But that's a pretty. Pretty impressive eight-year run from 2010 to 2018. It's a very hadn't really good done run. anything since then. Um, he was been Venom, on a he's Venom been on, and Capone. Well, 2018 was Venom, and I guess that was end of 2018. Yeah. Um, and then he's been on a TV show for five years. He he's on, not in.
0: He was on Taboo. Taboo he, he did and Taboo. Peaky Blinders. He did Peaky Blinders. He did Christmas Carol. I think he was part of. I think he was part of that one. Kind of like the BBC regular yeah. shows and stuff like that.
1: So he still does a lot. It feels like he feels like he's still got a commitment or a desire to be present, kind of in back home, sure. in in that area of the world. Uh, which, I mean, looking to the future, we've got supposedly a Venom sequel. Yep, and su- supposedly a Mad Max sequel.
0: Well, yeah, that who knows what's going to happen. We'll see with whether the that Mad happens Max. or not. Yeah, they're they're talking about doing a prequel, Furiosa prequel right now is what they're currently talking about. So I don't know if Hardy's going to be involved with that, but they also were talking about doing sequels to Mad Max. Um, They'd be stupid not to, obviously, but it's just an interesting career. It's a weird career. He's somebody who you tell me Tom Hardy is doing a new movie. I'm interested, you know, almost in the same vein as DiCaprio. Uh, almost in the same vein as Christian Bale. Like, those guys are doing a new movie? I'm, You have my interest. Um, are they going to be good? No, not always, not guaranteed, but they will be interesting. And that's Capone. Capone is weird as hell. It's not for everybody. Um, I would venture to guess that most people wouldn't even like it. Well, and I think the one thing that you will
1: always get with Tom Hardy is maximum effort. Like... Yeah, You're never going to see a Tom Hardy movie where you're like, oh, he kind of, you know. You're going to get choices. Walked through that one. And
0: that's basically This Means War was like the last movie where he just kind of breezed through by on his on his. Charm. But I think
1: that was also kind of uh, what that role was meant to be. It's a puff to movie. You know, it's a... I don't know if you'd call it a chick flick. But I think you and
0: I could independently finance a very cheap film <laughs> and tell Tom Hardy that the majority of our budget is going to go behind the makeup effects for his character. And he's in like you, Tom, here's character. It's a he's a triple amputee and his face has been burned off in a fire and he's dealing with PTSD. And Tom Hardy would be like, yes, sign me up. I'm gonna talk like this the whole time. I feel time. like
1: you could get Tom Hardy to play like a dead body and for like maybe a 30 minute scene, and just he, he wouldn't want you to like CGI it in or the, just um, use any tricks for it. He'd want to actually lay the there. Watch the
0: freaking restaurant <laughs> lobster tank scene in Venom. In Venom, of all movies, and tell me he's not committed to the he's bit.
1: Fully committed. He's committed I mean, he's, I mean, he's, to he's the bit. He's the reason why, in my opinion, he's the reason why. We're getting a Venom sequel. Absolutely. Which is, uh,
0: again, it's hilarious Like,
1: that movie, (laughs) as it was constructed, and everything else about that movie, would have tanked, in my opinion, with anybody else. Like, you could pick another big-name actor, and I think it tanked. That movie. Like, you could throw in, and again, this is probably a bad example, but DiCaprio. Sure. And, like, yes, I think it does okay, but, like, I don't think DiCaprio would go... (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> to the level that he did. One, he would never do that movie. No, not a quote, but no question. Like I don't know that there's another person I can think of that could do that movie and pull it off the way that he did, so, considering the material that he had. I think
0: I get your point. I, I like to refer to Venom as a movie that belongs in the same release era as... Ghost Rider and the original Affleck Daredevil in that like those movies are not good movies. They have good elements, but they're not very good movies, right? Venom belongs in 2004. Like that's when that movie should have come out. But the fact that Tom Hardy, A, used all of his Mad Max clout, all of his Revenant clout, his Dunkirk clout, all of it, he got nominated for an Oscar, and he's like, I'm going to cash my chips in to do Venom. That's yes. insane, number one. And then number two, the, the idea that he was so committed to it, that you're right, it elevated the material, because that movie's not that special, you know? It's, it's not particularly well-directed. It doesn't have any memorable action sequences. It doesn't have any memorable lines, but... What is memorable is Tom Hardy doing wild shit in that movie.
1: You probably can because you're crazy like this. But can you name me, like, two or three other actors that oh, I could definitely. were in Venom?
0: Yeah. So, uh, and I only know this because I recently did a deep dive on Venom. <laughs> but, like, Academy Award nominee Michelle Williams is in that movie. That's true. Right? That's true. Yeah. Riz Ahmed is in that movie. Um and they even got, like, smaller character parts. Like, but Jenny f- Slate is in that movie for two seconds.
1: But the funny thing is...
0: Woody Harrelson. Is, for what? all the
1: big names that are in it, the only thing you walk out of that movie thinking about is, it, at least for me, is Tom Hardy.
0: <laughs> oh, yeah. For sure, you know? Uh, you know, there isn't anybody else, like... <laughs> it's That movie's insane. That movie's just, again, much like Capone, it's a minor miracle that these movies exist. And... I saw a post on Twitter the other day. I think it was by one of the directors of Spider-Man Into the Spider-Verse. I think I liked it. I retweeted it on The Popcorn Diet. But he said something to the effect of like that he doesn't understand how people can profess to be fans and yet get such delight in shitting on movies, right? And I think it's important to note that the entire philosophy of this podcast and of the way you and I live is that even if movies are not bad— or or even if movies are bad, to look at the good parts of them, right? And Venom and Capone are not good films, but they are minor miracles in their existence. And it's great that they exist because a lot of people put a lot of work and passion into them. And despite the fact that they're not commercially viable like Capone or that they're just not uh, critically viable like Venom, That doesn't completely discount the fact that they exist, and it's an amazing thing. And I love that Tom Hardy's a weird weirdo, despite the fact that I would love to see just a movie as his character in Inception being Eames, wearing suits, and being a smartass. Like, yeah, (laughs) sign me up for that, but also tell me Tom Hardy is going to do anything, and I'm interested.
1: So, well, so final consensus on Capone. It's not a good movie.
0: It's not a good movie. It's weird. If you want to watch some weird shit, if you're if you're desperate in the times of of quarantine and self-isolation and coronavirus, there are is a lot better that you can do. <laughs> but there's probably also a lot worse. Well,
1: well, hopefully we can get into some of that. So we're so, yeah, going to spend the rest Capone. of the podcast talking about basically what we've been filling our time with we are because we go to a lot of movies we go to typically at well, least one a week we used to uh, and right now that's not an option so we got to fill our time and in fact i would argue we have to fill even more time because of the lack of other we're options not even doing other stuff do.
0: nobody's doing other stuff so either. so yeah we're gonna talk we're gonna talk about what we've been watching but before we do that we're gonna take a little break what's up good movie buddies before we continue i want to remind everybody that you can get free episodes of the popcorn diet delivered to you just by hitting the subscribe button so take a second hit the button Give us a rating, write us a review, share us with your other good movie buddies out there looking for any type of movie content during uh, these trying times. We also want to remind you to check us out on Patreon by going to patreon.com slash diet. Consider becoming a patron of an independent podcast. You know, not only is it going to help us and improve the podcast, but it's also going to give you access to exclusive patron-only episodes like our franchise refills uh, and more. So check us out patreon.com/thepopcorndiet. We don't want you to forget that you can follow us on Facebook, on Twitter, on Instagram at the Popcorn Diet. And last but certainly not least, you can find all of our latest regular episodes, articles, and more on our website popcorndietpodcast.com. So David, you and I have kind because we're gonna do we're gonna talk about what we've been watching, mm-hmm. right? We're gonna do. We're gonna do a little back and forth here. Well, I ping think ping pong. We're gonna ping pong. Um, I think you and I have taken completely different directions during the quarantine. Uh, you have mostly been focused on series, you know, television, quote unquote, television shows, streaming series, um, things like that. And I have mostly been focused on just old. Old movies, old mm-hmm. franchise movies, regurgitating and 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 revisiting a lot of those movies, um, and I think that that's interesting. I think it's interesting because I read somewhere, and I want I want to hear your thoughts about this before we actually get into listing what we've watched. Um, I read an article that said that a lot of people who, not necessarily deal with bad mental health, but but who are Kind of going through a rough time during these rough times, a lot of them are choosing to rewatch shows that they've already watched or watch movies that they've already watched because it takes away even the faintest amount of anxiety Mm -hmm. or um, unknown. You know, when you watch Raiders of the Lost Ark, I know that movie frontwards to backwards. When you watch Community, I know that TV show frontwards to backwards. And it feels better. It makes me feel better watching those. Because even if you're watching something new, even if you're enjoying something new, there's that little bit of the unknown that people can't handle. What do you think about that?
1: Did we figure out why? Did we just have a breakthrough on why you read spoilers?
0: Oh, maybe. (laughs) Like that, (laughs) that absolutely, again, it it, it ties to the fact of like, I don't like surprises. Sure. I've talked about that in length. Like, I like knowing what's happening, I like seeing the story involved. I don't think it. 100% 100% affects my viewing experience. <laughs> um,
1: I could see that. I definitely could see that. Um,
0: I mean, not you, obviously, because you're mowing through all ki- types of <laughs> content. For for me,
1: I like mowing through stuff I've never seen, especially in this unique situation we're in currently, because typically my life is absolutely bonkers and swamped. completely swamped with stuff. It's true. And I have, it
0: stresses me out. Your I, life stresses <laughs> me out.
1: I have more free time than than ever and so for me and and we should say that this coincided with this quarantine has coincided so far with my wife's paternity or maternity leave and so normally in our two previous children that has also coincided with right binging something with her because she needs something to watch during this <laughs> while she's at home uh you know resting up recovering and taking sure. care of the baby so of course uh, so yes we have binged a lot of shows and it's been fantastic because especially some of the ones that i chose to watch have been ones that have been talked about like um uh, the so first what, one so, I, yeah, so what have you been watching i was gonna say the first one that i watched uh and watched with my wife was ozarks which was on i think right when the quarantine started they released season three season three yeah so obviously i was behind the game in getting into this because i hadn't watched a single episode and so I started. I think I watched an episode or two, and was like, oh, "I think my wife might like this." And so uh, Allie and I binged all of them over the course of a n- couple weeks, mm-hmm. and I loved it. It's uh, on Netflix, mm-hmm. so that's that's where you have to go to watch it. I'm sure a lot, most of the people listening to this probably know this, but it's it's uh, it's not for the faint of heart. There's some some darkness and it's a dark grittiness crime. In it. Prime. If you're a Jason Bateman saga. fan, he's great in it. Um, I enjoy Jason Bateman, but it's not. A lot of times people are probably used to Jason Bateman in comedies. and right. While he still has his witty comments and, and quick wit and all of that in this, and while some of it's funny, it's mostly done in a much more darker uh, situation from here. But sure. I enjoy it. It's takes place in a part of the world that we don't usually highlight and has its own, you know, uniqueness about it and Mm -hmm. it's got a lot of twists and turns a lot of surprises and i mean it takes on a lot of your similar tropes that we've had you know cartel drugs you know almost like mob-esque type movie sure uh and in this case tv show but it it's obviously on a unique backdrop following a family that's caught up kind of in the middle of all this and and kind of adapting and surviving in this in the middle of the ozarks which is not a place that you typically associate mobs and cartels and things like that so uh it's it's we enjoyed it a lot i'm excited for whenever we get season four that's the downside of watching series when they leave you when the season that we last got ended with the intention of the next season coming you know in your normal time frame right it's a bummer to think okay I'm assuming they haven't filmed season four, which all my research says they haven't. So they're not filming right now, which means we're going like Game of Thrones on this. And we're going to have to wait like two years before we get season four, which so many things can happen in these days and age where we may just end (laughs) on that note, which was a massive cliffhanger. Cliffhanger. Oh, crap moment. Sure. uh, but I would highly recommend it. I mean, it's definitely not one you sit down and watch with the kids. It was one we watched when the kids were asleep or not oh, of around. Of course, yes. But uh, it's it's definitely if you're into you know kind of those thrilling crime dramas, it's it's uh, it's it's pretty great. I enjoyed it a lot.
0: Nice, nice. So are we going back and forth? So now I'm going yeah. Talk let's about let's
1: one. Uh, let's go for you.
0: So I will I will take this time to talk about all of the old movies I've been watching. Um, because in the same vein, I've been watching a lot of old crime movies, too. Okay. Most of them have been franchises. Like, I watched all of the Lethal Weapons again. I watched the Beverly Hills Cop movies. I watched the Die Hard movies. I watched the Die Hard trilogy. I didn't watch mm-hmm. 4 and 5 because they weren't readily available on streaming. And I am <laughs> not paying money for 4 and 5. Um, I watched, you know, a lot of amazing 90s action movies the hunt for red october which is an 80s movie i think crimson tide broken arrow like all those types of movies i revisited movies that i haven't seen in ages like the abyss uh i revisited movies that i didn't remember anything of such as like tango and cash okay um and old movies that i haven't seen like the bodyguard i watched the bodyguard for the first time kevin costner Costner, houston Houston. you've stayed Um, at that hotel I have stayed at that hotel, the Fontainebleau, the Fontaine Blue, which is an incredible hotel. Yeah, um, and is super funny to see on the big screen. So, that's been again talking about like the comfort food and stuff. That's been a major source of my comfort food. Has been watching the old movies. I watched the Has Fallen trilogy, uh, backwards. I watched Angel mm, has fallen, then London has fallen, then Olympus has fallen. Then I watched the, in my opinion, superior White House Down, aka Die Hard Six. Um, Outbreak, which is an actual awesome movie. Like, that's just an amazing, even with everything that's happening right now. Like, Outbreak is just an incredible popcorn movie. Mm-hmm. Um, so, yeah, man, the Alien, all of the Alien movies, watch them too. Judge Dredd, all of the good and the bad. And there's been some movies I revisited that are just like, Oh God, it's not this movie is not great. Like Tango and Cash isn't a great movie. <laughs> so when you
1: watch this, are you fully dedicated watching the screen or are you on your laptop doing other things? Are you playing I, Call of Duty on another screen? I am what's, never what's the what's the watching good situation? Good question.
0: I am never distracted by another laptop or video game or something like that. Occasionally I'll have my phone open. Sure. Like I'll but I'm not reading. I'm just like doing doing a, a swiping
1: through Instagram or something. swiping
0: through the gram or doing Marvel strike force or what have you. So for the most part I have, and especially if I can't remember certain things, then I'll pay attention. Um, like at the end, like tango and cash, they're driving this ridiculous monster truck. And I remember that. So I'm like, okay, I'm going to go on my phone. Um, I watched, I'll tell you the last, the, before I, before I wrap up and I go back to you, I will tell you the last, the, the, the movie that I never saw. So it's called Ricochet, and it's a a 90s, early 90s movie with Denzel in it, all right? So it came out in 91. So it's like right between Glory, right before Malcolm X, just before Denzel blows up, okay? He's in the middle of blowing up. And it's a crime movie where he's a beat cop who captures and arrests this psychopath played by John Lithgow. And that psychopath rots in prison— And he's like, I'm gonna take this guy down. And then Denzel becomes the assistant district attorney. The guy winds up escaping, faking his death. And then instead of like killing Denzel, they like frame him for embezzlement. They kidnap him for like a week and inject him with heroin. And they have a prostitute rape him and film it. And they then start releasing all of this stuff to be to destroy his life. And it's really dark. And it's really like, oh, it's a different vibe than most nineties cop crime movies. It's hyper violent and very dark. But to me, the thing that pissed me off the most about it, it's fine. It's fine movie. You know, if you mm-hmm. want to watch some dark shit, you know, you can watch Ozark and then you can watch Ricochet. <laughs> but to me, the character of Denzel is good at his job. He's a straight arrow. He's loyal. He's a family man. He's a father and a husband. His character is not written with any flaws like, oh, he used to be a drug addict or he has a gambling problem or what have you, right? So when all of this stuff starts happening, he keeps telling people like, I'm being framed. I know it's him. And instead of believing Denzel, his wife, his boss, his friends, they're all like, He's dead. You're crazy. And that pissed me off the most because ain't nobody had no loyalty for Denzel <laughs> in this movie. Like, he, he, they literally hire a prostitute to, to have sex with him when he's drugged out. So it's basically rape, right? And in 1991, he doesn't disclose that. Like, he doesn't disclose that part of what happened sure. because he's clearly ashamed of it. Sure. And then when they do his blood test back, they're like, you have heroin and cocaine in your system he's like yes i know that's what they stuffed me with and they're like you also have chlamydia and his wife gets mad and he's like i didn't tell you i was ashamed i was raped and she's like i thought we were supposed to tell the whole truth and i was like this bitch is 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 rape shaming the victim here i was so upset at everybody and i was like denzel you should drop all these people but it winds up it all works out in the end as as you know it tends to but that movie sent me for a loop that movie <laughs> I was like all right what can I watch Denzel crime cool sign me up I'm gonna watch it that movie was ricochet buck wild so I'm gonna wrap I'm gonna put the po on bow on that one pass it back to you what else have you been watching
1: well I won't uh, I've been watching a lot and I don't want to go down too many rabbit holes um, I have
0: specifically I do have two new movies that I want to talk
1: about okay okay uh, well, the next one I'll do, which was what came after Ozarks, which was Money Heist, and I've been crime bug. I binged this one actually by myself because I was wasn't really sure whether my wife would like it or not. And actually, I was doing it while we were doing Ozarks. Okay, um, okay, wow. Because I keep longer hours than her, as yeah. well as you know different opportunities to watch it. So I actually binged it on the side, and. <laughs> It's a Spanish show, so mm-hmm. it was originally on Spanish TV. Um, I would assume cable because what's in it is probably not suitable for. Then me. again, European, I don't know European what European standards, standards are, so they're more uh, lax. Regardless, season one was well. Technically, it's it's identified in parts, so there's four parts, thirty-one total episodes, and I would say, to me, if it was an American TV show, it would have been. Two seasons, most likely they would have broken it up as two sure, seasons. Sure, like part one, part two. Yeah, part okay. one, part two, and season one is is a particular heist um, of the mint in Madrid, I believe, and season two is another heist of, and maybe I flipped that. Maybe it's the mint in the second same one. Same crew, regardless. Uh, primarily the same crew. No spoilers. You we'll get some. Uh, you get some changeover, as in. With any uh, crime crime drama, mm-hmm. um, but it's it's a it's a full on. I mean, it's called Money Heist, so you would expect that it's a heist film. But it is a full on heist show. I, I it feels like a movie, but it's obviously a TV show. Sure. Um, but you get a good amount of flashbacks and flash forwards, mm-hmm. and we kind of see the the heist in full. And it's 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 one of those where. It it reminded me a lot of what I really liked about Inside Man, where they were inside of a bank as well, obviously, and there was just an answer for everything that happened. Like, even when things appeared to go wrong, like, there was a backup plan to the backup plan to the backup plan. And so it was really fun to see it play out. And then you also, throughout the movie, don't know what is them slipping up and screwing up the plan Mm -hmm. and what is intentional and then furthermore you don't know what did they screw up in the plan but already have a backup plan if they did that screw up that very specific screw up so it's it's really fun because it's really layered um it's unique in the sense that and this isn't too big of a spoiler but you have one of the crew that is not in the bank that's kind of the puppet master outside of the bank that's pulling all the levers sure talking to the police all that kind of stuff and so normally when you have these heist moves everybody's kind of in the same place and especially when it turns into a hostage situation and things like that and so it's really really interesting to see it go from you know point a to point z Mm -hmm. and then where it ends with the first season I mean, normally, especially when you think of it like a movie in that, you'd kind of be like, this is a heist. Like, where do you go when the heist is done? Right. And whatever. I'm not going to spoil whether they get away so or I not. Suffice it to but say, there nope, are places to go. There are places to go. Like, how do you bring this back for a second season? It doesn't feel like it's made out to be a second season, but um, they do a good way of, of bringing it back together. And it's, it's very interesting. Uh, I think for a show that is in Spanish but is dubbed to English, which is what it is on Netflix. I'm sure you could find it somewhere in actual Spanish with sure, sub- sub- subtitles. subtitles. Yeah. Um, but I watched it with the the dub version. I think they did a really good job overall of picking uh, voices for each of the actors cuz that's one of the things a lot of times when you dub voices is sometimes doesn't fit. It doesn't fit like what you would expect that person to sound like. Right. And not that we don't have actors that are that way whose actual voices don't fit, <laughs> don't fit. what they sound like, but, you know, like Mike Tyson. But, uh, yep, yep. But regardless, they do a really good job with that. Um, I would say sometimes dubbing can also be distracting if it's not done really well. Right. Because you see their lips moving and right. the words And I know aren't they matching. got you because
0: you weren't sure. Well, that.
1: and in the beginning, I was like, something feels off. And I thought maybe, you know, sometimes with your TV, with the newer TVs, like, things kind of lag or stuff like that or and but it's it's all really well done for for a dub movie and or dub tv show and it keeps you guessing throughout like for 31 episodes that are basically only two heights and so you think roughly probably like 28 hours worth of watching Mm -hmm. to keep your attention and kind of keep you going and on your kind of on edge throughout mm-hmm. the whole thing mm-hmm. it's 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 really fun it's uh definitely a different take on a heist which i love heists so it was fun to watch so i highly recommend i would say it's more family friendly than ozarks but definitely still not something you'd watch with the kids
0: sure sure and you've been getting on me to try and watch it and i, I have. will i will watch it i the know people that i will fr-
1: re- d- i watched it i feel like very early Before like anybody really knew, right? And now it's caught on. And I told multiple people about it, and some of them have made it through it already. And everyone has come back and said they loved it. So, uh, so I highly recommend. I
0: don't doubt that I won't love it. Clearly, it's more of a psychological issue with me. (laughs) Apparently,
1: apparently Um, we we uncovered that.
0: Okay, so one of the last two ones that I want to talk about because we'll do one more back and forth here. Um, I watched Bad Education on HBO. And Bad Bad Education is a movie that premiered at Sundance, I think. No, Toronto is when it originally premiered. It's based on a true story. Uh, It stars Hugh Jackman, Allison Janney, Ray Romano, uh, Geraldine uh, uh, Vizwanthan, who was in uh, Blockers. And it's a very small movie. Like It's actually probably a perfect kind of movie for HBO to buy. This is the type of movie that you will see on streaming more than you would in the theaters. You know, particularly you, David. I know that sometimes when it comes to the smaller movies, mm-hmm. it's a little bit of an effort to get you out into the theaters. And, and you're not alone by, by any stretch of the imagination. I'll go see anything in the theater. But this is a relatively small movie based on a true story. Um, it's set in the Long Island village of Roslyn, I think, during the early 2000s. And it tells the story, story of Frank uh, Tassone and Pam Gluckin, who were the – god, what were they? The superintendent, I think, is right? Yeah, the superintendent and assistant superintendent of the school there. Schools uh, there. And it's an incredible look into the cult of prestige schooling, you know, prestige um, – High school that will lead you to Ivy League, you know, 95% of our graduates go on to Ivy League schools and stuff like that. And it's an amazing look into that kind of cult. But the main story is that those two stole millions of dollars from the public school district whilst making it the best in the country. So it's one of those white collar crimes, you know, Mm -hmm. and it's a really interesting story about how they were uncovered by a student who was writing for the newspaper. Um, Incredible performances, like Hugh Jackman is like, he's charming, but he's also slimy, you can't trust him. But the thing that I took away from it, and it's on HBO, you watch it right now, HBO Go, HBO Now, what have you, 108 minutes, it's an easy watch, it's interesting to watch. But it was just interesting how easy it is to lie. And how easy it is to stop people from thinking about these things. Like, if you can put something good in front of them, then you can get away with everyth- anything. And this guy was paying for luxury trips. He was paying for luxury suits, home remodels, all that kind of stuff. And it's just a really well-done movie. It's It's well. It's, it's not going to blow anybody's socks off. It's just well-acted and pretty well put together. It seems a little low stakes because ultimately it is. Mm-hmm. But it's a really interesting story of, like, corruption and, and that kind of thing as well. So Bad Education on HBO, I was so happy to just get a new movie. Yeah. And I'm like, sign me up, please. I like it. So you got one more?
1: Uh, yeah. Well, I'll I'll do a higher level on a couple of things. I okay. watched Waco. Yep. Which was uh, Taylor Kish. Yep on the uh, the story of the Waco massacre I don't know what they call it specifically but it's the Waco it's, incident yeah I think it's like six to eight episodes uh-huh. it's uh it's I mean it's it's rough it's intense it's, it's a little intense and it's obviously not a very happy story so um But if you're looking for something to watch and you like watching (laughs) true events, types of things.
0: I love how none of us are like, we watched Scoob. It was a good time. I'm not
1: going to try to describe Waco as a good time. But if you are okay with massacres, watching a massacre that you (laughs) know actually happened, um, I don't think it's... I think, you know, it's well acted. There's some good people in it. And I think uh, overall it's a, a pretty good... Pretty good watch if you need, you know, six six to eight hours filled. Sure. Uh, the other things I've watched, I watched Outer Banks. Uh-huh. I've which heard is on Netflix and I saw it always popping up as being like one of the things in the top ten most right. watched. Right. And so I was looking this was after Money Heist, after Waco, after Ozarks. So I was basically scr- you know, scrounging for something new. hmm And so I was like, ah, I'll give it a try. It basically follows like a group of we're told high schoolers but nothing they do they're all 20 mid-20s like high school (laughs) and all the actors are definitely not high schoolers but they're all supposed to be 16 or 17 years old Mm -hmm. and it's it's basically like kind of a treasure hunt kind of a whodunit type of thing um and it's a it's a good summer adventure film okay Uh, it's
0: the mcconaughey uh
1: is it fools' fools' gold? gold? It kind of reminds me of some notes. Or it's, of a, fool's it's a school. little
0: like a little romance, a little, yeah. a little sexy time, but also like Ray Winstone might shoot you in the head over exactly, some gold. Exactly. Exactly. Okay. Yes. So there's a lot of
1: similarities. Think of like fools' gold put on like the high school level.
0: Okay. Okay.
1: So, but still the same stakes. Still, someone might get their head shot off. Sure. So, uh, but I enjoyed it. It takes place in a. Uh, you know, it's a fictional place, but it takes place in Florida, like island paradise, yeah, um, area. But it's 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 only one season. There's only one season of it. I think it's ten episodes. It's pretty easy watching. If you want one that's a little less intense, but still has you know some drama mm-hmm. and some intrigue to it, I think it's a good one. Uh, Billions is starting up. Yes. I'm a huge Billions fan. So if you haven't ever watched it, the first seasons are fantastic yep uh and this season's off to a good start too so excited to watch that and then the last thing i watched was actually a movie and i watched Snowpiercer, which i believe i watched it relatively close to when it came out i know i didn't see it in the theaters um but i know i watched it recently but for those of you that don't know it's a it's a movie about set in a way future i would assume Uh uh-huh future alternate re- world uh but it's uh bongju ho who's our most recent best director academy, best director academy so,
0: award winner Joon-ho jo- three-time academy award winner bong Joo-ho. exactly
1: and it is fantastic it's got a uh, chris evans in it as the yep the lead yep. and it's it's definitely a weird movie um as i'm starting to sense all of bongju ho's movies are yeah um it definitely has some i think as as well with his there's definitely some social commentary on there but at the even if you ignore kind of that um it's it's just a very interesting different movie like it's not going to be like anything you've really watched before it's and so good for the entire movie to basically take place on a train and now granted it's not like any train you could go on today no but at the same time, for everything to be taking place on a train, it's it's a super interesting movie and a, and a really good time. So I enjoyed it. So those are kind of the things that I've been watching.
0: Man, uh, Pierce is so good. The last thing that I will mention is probably my favorite new thing that I've watched, and that is Extraction on Netflix. Did you watch Extraction, David? I haven't yet. Damn, dude. It's basically a Call of Duty mission, the movie. Um, it is... It is so so good, man. And it's funny because I know if it was in theaters, like half of the people I know would have seen it already. But it stars Chris Hemsworth as mercenary named Tyler Rake. And he and his crew are hired to retrieve the son of a drug lord in India that was kidnapped by another drug lord. Uh, So these drug lords hire the mercenary to kidnap the kid. Then... When Hemsworth has the kid, they turn on him. And so now he's got to fight two sides of crime in a city. He's got to fight his way through to get this kid back to basically his home. And it is incredibly violent. It is so bloody. And the action is incredible. It's directed by Sam Hargrave, who was the stunt coordinator for a lot of the Avengers films who was Chris Evans' stunt double as Captain America. So he's kind of taking the um, David Leach, um, the the John Wick guys, I'm for, forgetting the other guy, director's name of John Wick, which is a real disservice to him, it's Chris something. Um, but you're seeing these stunt coordinators being turned into directors and making these dope action movies. And Extraction is a dope action movie. There's not a lot of story. Okay, it's literally just I got to fight through a a city to survive. There are a lot of headshots. There is a lot of blood. Uh, There is a lot of hand on hand combat. And there is like a 16 minute one shot in the middle of the movie that is clearly not a legitimate one shot, but it's really damn good. That goes from like a car chase to a foot race to another car chase. It's incredible. It's got, obviously, Chris Hemsworth in it. And then, like, the only other person that you would know in it, David Harbour, is in it. So, um, you get your little Stranger Things connections and whatever. But, like, just not to get into full spoilers here, there's a scene where Chris Hemsworth, hand like, fights with his hands and fists, like, eight street kids. Like, children, who are like 10 to 16 years old, who are trying to fight him because they work for the local drug lord, and he just beats the shit out of like of like 10 kids, and it's incredible. And and again, if it's full blown action, Michael Bay style, you should watch Extraction. Again, it's not the easiest watch because it is basically a violent action slash war movie. But it's incredible. Um, They're going to make another one, apparently. The ending is really good. Like, the last two minutes of the movie, the way that the film ends is really like, oh, 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 oh." like, I might see another one. Um, But yeah, I think it had, like, 90 million people watch it in its first month of release um, in Netflix's, like, secret algorithm that nobody knows how it works or what have you. But, yeah, man, I cannot believe out of all the shit that you have watched that you haven't watched Extraction yet, you got to get on that. And that's probably – if we had to give one recommendation, I think we'll wrap up with one recommendation. I would recommend Extraction. Like it is it – is, if you like action movies particularly. If you don't like action movies, you're going to hate Extraction because there is a lot of action in this movie. Um, but if you like action, watch Extraction. I like it, and that should be it. What would you recommend?
1: You know, as much as I loved Ozarks and it's phenomenal, lots of people are talking about Ozarks. As much as you know, I enjoy Billions. I would say I would go with Money Heist because it's different. It's something different. It's something that a lot of people aren't talking about. It's blown up in Europe, and, and obviously, a lot of people are watching it on Netflix. But like, you go on Twitter and stuff like that, you're not seeing like everybody.
0: And it's a heist movie. Talking
1: about. Money heist, and I think it's uh, you can mow through it pretty quickly. I mean, obviously the time is the time, but you will feel like watching two, three episodes in a row. Um, and it's just a really good, good, unique. I feel like uh, I keep saying movie because it feels like a movie, right? TV show,
0: right? And who doesn't like? I mean, we it's well documented that this is this podcast is big fan of the heist genre. And I know how big of a fan you are of the heist genre. So to have you as hyped as you are about it, recommending it left and right and even on this podcast, that, that counts for something. You know, that, that, that counts for something in my book. So Money Heist is your recommendation. Extraction, on Net, both of which are on Netflix are my recommendation. And hopefully sooner rather than later, we'll be able to get back in the theaters. Uh, we'll, we'll have another episode coming within the next couple of weeks, most likely. But obviously, you know, uh, we, for all of you who are listening, we appreciate it. Don't forget, as we wrap up here, uh, if, if you haven't subscribed to the Popcorn Diet, hit the button right now. You can literally do it. I'll give you five seconds. Hit the button. That's how fast it takes I'm listening. Boom. I hit it. Be a follower. Share us with your friends. Share us with your other good movie buddies. Check us out by going to patreon.com slash diet. If you have a couple of bucks to spare, if you're in a good financial situation during this time, consider throwing a little money in the way of an independent podcast. You know, Help us improve the podcast during these times. Also, get yourself exclusive patron-only access to episodes, early episodes, franchise refills episodes, and more. Don't forget to follow us on social media, Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, at The Popcorn Diet. And, of course, last but certainly not least, you can find all of our latest regular episodes, articles, and more on our website, popcorndietpodcast.com. But for the Canadian machine, Mr. David Melhorn, I am your very best good movie buddy, Rick Williamson, and we'll see you next time with another good movie, maybe, on The Popcorn Diet. (laughs) Adios.